0: Hi, this
1: is Brooke Schley, and welcome to Soundtrack Stories. Today we are talking to Mac Quayle. He's an Emmy-winning composer who's made music for shows like Mr. Robot and American Horror Story to shows like Scream Queens and Feud, and that's just naming a few. He works a lot. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation with composer Mac Quayle. You know, before you were composing any music, um, you were actually worked in electronic dance music or EDM, as the kids say. Um, and so but then you made that shift to composing for movies and TV shows. So how did how did that happen? What made you make that shift?
0: Well, um, you know, when I was very active in dance music, they, they weren't even calling it EDM yet. So that was still <laughs> that was still on the horizon. Um, and uh, I was in New York City And I uh, had been doing dance music for a number of years And in the early 2000s The music industry started ha- having trouble for the first time I mean, it uh, sales went down um, It had been growing ever since it was born And now the sales went down for the first time And and things started to shift And so this, this work that I'd been doing Was... Um, Started to dry up and then just pretty much vanished. Uh, so it was like, okay, what's what's next?
1: And that was because of Napster, right? And you know, this new technology that anyone, basically, with a computer and software, could make these remixes, right? So
0: that that was a uh, Napster combined with now people could also um, copy CDs. They had like a CD burner in their computer, so they could they could get their friend's CD and then just copy it. So, like, I think those two things were the big, you know, the big catalyst for 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 what was uh, what what took place.
1: And in two thousand, Steven Soderbergh's movie Traffic came out, which was scored by Cliff Martinez. And you'd said that seeing it was sort of an aha uh-huh moment for you.
0: Really impressed by the score by Cliff Martinez and um, I hadn't heard a score like that before and um, so it 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 certainly caught my attention Um, I mean that was was right at the time that the music industry started to have this trouble so I wasn't yet I hadn't yet made the decision I was gonna look to something else but but I, th- I think you can trace back um you know that that was like the seed uh, planted that that i might get into scoring
1: and eventually you ended up working with him right
0: i did i moved to los angeles and um in 2006 i worked on my first uh film with him as uh, as an additional composer and ended up in an eight-year period working on 12 films with him
1: i mean movies like contagion drive, uh, The Normal Heart. I mean, so many, so many cool projects.
0: Without a doubt, yeah. I think that's one of the things about Cliff. uh, I've always admired he kind of curates his career in such a way he just picks these really cool, really cool projects to work on.
1: And you had mentioned uh, last time that they actually used as temp score for Mr. Robot some of the music from Contagion, is that right?
0: It's true, they did, yeah.
1: So when you sit down with Sam Esmail, who is the creator of Mr. Robot, you know, you guys meet for the first time. What kind of conversations do you have about the project? Did he know what he wanted or did you have to kind of dig it out of him? What what was that like, that conversation?
0: Um, I mean, he's very direct. So he was like, I think a a totally electronic score is what this show what this show needs. That's going to help describe this world. The Elliot world of hacking and uh paranoia and tension and anxiety and so right from the right from the jump that was you know that was the the mission was to, was to create this score that sounded totally electronic and i was excited about that because i've been interested in synthesizers and electronic music you know from the from the beginning pretty much
1: yeah you were the right guy for
0: the job i i guess
1: So in Mr. Robot, you know, you create a lot of music using things that don't really sound like instruments. And after three seasons, you've amassed a palette of like 300 engineered sounds. I don't know, this is kind of, I guess, a cliche, but, you know, are you walking around and just thinking, you know you hear a washing machine and you think ah oh, that's perfect for this thing i'm trying to figure out or like like do you hear music everywhere you go <laughs>
0: <laughs> um you know it, it it comes at odd times you never know yeah it's, just, it's just definitely a thing like i can encounter some sort of machine that has a that has a rhythm that um will make me think oh that would be like a great groove for for a track um and, of course, I'll actually hear music, too. Just hear something coming out of a car window or something out of someone's house or whatever it is. But, yeah, it's kind of coming at me in all directions.
1: And when you, for example, like run into a creative roadblock or you're just thinking, you know, I can't figure out what the next right step is. Do you have any, you know, do you sort of step away from the studio and then, it, you know, the answer will come to you at a random time or um or do you just sort of just wait and sit it out until you figure it out? Do you ever have to step away from, from the work that you're doing to solve any problems?
0: I mean, I, I really love uh, if I can do that, if the schedule will allow me to step away. I mean, it's a big uh, part of my process is to um, take an idea and develop it to a certain point and then, and then put it away and come back to it and get to hear it with fresh ears. And, um, you know, sometimes schedule doesn't allow for that, but but when it does, I, I really I kind of rely on it because I I can get sort of lost in the uh, analysis of what I'm working on, and you know I'll just chip away and chip away at this idea, and I'm like, yeah, I think this is great, and and then I put it away and I come back to it the next day, and I'm like, ugh, that's <laughs> not great at all. It's like that first listen with fresh ears really tells me if I'm, if I was onto something or not. And if that, if the first listen, I'm like, that is actually really good. Then I know I can keep going with it. Or, or, you know, if not, I start over. So, um, you know, I have a dog and the dog has to be walked. (laughs) And so that's a good way to, to go and walk, walk the dog and, and get away from the music for a minute and then come back and see, see what it sounds like.
1: interestingly you know even though the score is electronic and and synthetic um i you know there's a lot of classical music in mr robot i heard a lot of beethoven a lot of mozart um was that any was that any uh, of your doing or is that the work of a music supervisor
0: i mean i think the 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 music choices there's a lot of music in Mr. Robot that's not score. And so this classical music is is uh, pieces that have been recorded that were, you know, existing and they were placed into the show. And, and there's all kinds of music that's like that in the show. And I, and I think that, um, you know, it's it's kind of a collaborative effort. I'm not a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sam has a lot of ideas. I mean, sometimes it's it's like at the script level. He's like, this song needs to be here or this piece. Um, the editors might come up with ideas, the music supervisors, so everyone's sort of pooling uh, to to get these pieces into the show. And then sometimes, um, you know, the, uh, an existing piece of music to make it into a show or a film, it has to be licensed. And so they may have this perfect piece, but then for whatever reason they can't license it. So now they've got to find something else. And, you know, so it's, yeah, it's a little bit of a free-for-all as to who's coming up with those those ideas.
1: And I recall at the end of season one, there is this electronic reimagining of this famous waltz by Shostakovich. And it's so distinct, and I'd never heard that before. Was that actually something that you did yourself?
0: It was. they had just a, an orchestral recording of that piece and and it sounded it sounded good of course that's a it's an amazing piece but um, you know that particular piece uh, has shown up in a lot of different things but it, it's in I believe the Stanley Kubrick film Eyes Wide Shut and Sam is a big Kubrick fan and and um, that may or may not have been why he picked that piece, but um, you know Kubrick also known for doing uh, scores that have electronic versions of classical music in them, like Clockwork Orange. Uh, I think, I believe The Shining had some stuff. Uh, so I thought it would be a great. Um, kind of blending his ideas and doing this piece which was known for being in in a Kubrick film but then doing it in an electronic version. Sam thought it was a great idea and when I turned it in he he loved it and so it made it into the show.
1: Yeah, because you had mentioned also in our first interview that you're a big Wendy Carlos fan, right?
0: Without a doubt. I mean, that's probably the first electronic album I ever heard was Switched on Bach, which uh, was um, a fantastic, you know, in the 60s to do these Bach pieces with Moog synthesizers was pretty pretty gr- uh, groundbreaking.
1: So moving on to Ryan Murphy who basically at this point is the king of television. He just churns out hit show after hit show and I just read that he signed a 300 million dollar contract with Netflix so he's going to be working for a long time which I guess also means that you'll be working for a long time because you guys are have a really tight partnership. You know, you've done tons of shows for him, American Horror Story, Feud, Scream Queens. Um, how did this partnership start with you two? How did you guys start working together?
0: Well, it all started with the film, The Normal Heart, which Ryan had uh, hired Cliff Martinez to score, and I worked with Cliff as an additional composer on the film, and and I guess some somewhere during the you know during that process. Um, the one of Ryan's producers uh, took a liking to me, and um, six months after we had finished it, I'd, I'd had no contact with them. My phone rang, and it was this producer, and she said, um, "Hey, we're uh, we're looking to go in a different direction this season on American Horror Story. By any chance, would you be uh, available to write a piece of music for us this afternoon?" <laughs> and I said. Okay, sure. I'm available. Let's let's do it. And I wrote a piece of music. The next day, they hired me, and there I was. Now, now Ryan Murphy's new new composer.
1: So, how long did it take you to compose that piece of music that got you hired? How many hours was that?
0: Oh, it was like five minutes. (laughs) Four four and a half minutes. Well, that's yeah. No, it was you know probably my first version was was maybe three or four hours. Which was kind of rough, and I and I sent it to the producer, and um, she loved it, and she had a couple of notes, and then I I did her notes and and, and finished the piece, and that you know so total, I might have spent six hours on it.
1: I can't do anything like in six hours. That's <laughs> that's a little crazy.
0: Well, you know, this uh, it's one of the things about this job where sometimes you just have to. There's yeah. no, like there's no there's no, there's no choice. I mean, she basically said, we have to play this for Ryan tomorrow. It has to be done tonight. So it just had to be, it had to be done. And, um, uh, so I did it. And thankfully the, whatever creative flow was, was working for me that day.
1: And so do you work, uh, do you have a studio at your house? Where do you, where do you go to make the music?
0: I have a studio in my house.
1: So you don't have a long commute then.
0: So it's not that long. (laughs) Okay,
1: good. And so, what's it like working with? You know, you say um, Sam Eshmael is pretty specific and has a strong idea of what he wants. Is Ryan Murphy the same way? You know, what's the difference between working with Sam and,
0: and Ryan? Well, um, yeah, I mean, right from the from the beginning of a project, it's, it's I mean, it's quite similar. They do they have strong ideas. They think this this show needs blank. It needs this this particular s- style of music. Um uh, in the case of Mr. Robot, it was electronic. If you say um, feud, um, the first season of Feud, uh, Betty and Joan, that I did with Ryan, he's like, this show needs to sound like 1960s Hollywood it needs to be an orchestral score. So um, so, so from right there, uh, it's it's quite similar. and and both, you know, both showrunners, uh, they, they both love music. They both use it. It's an important tool for them to tell their stories, so they're very similar that way. Um, and then when we get into the thick of it and we're we're flushing out all the music for an episode or or throughout the season, um, Ryan tends to be a little bit more big picture, a little bit more. You know, uh, I don't get a ton of notes from him. Um, I, like it might just be, oh, this this cue's not working. We'll we'll swap it for something else, or he will just give me one note, like, oh, just this just needs to be more sad. Um, Sam te- Sam tends to be a little more sort of uh, a little more in there, you know. He'll he might give me a lot of notes on a cue about this this section and that section, and and there'll be a bunch of back and forth. Um, and the end at the end of the day, the both result in what I think is is music that works to help them tell their stories.
1: So what were your conversations with Ryan like about American Horror Story? How do you make the music different from one season to the next? Because every season has a different, fresh story. Um, But obviously you want to make the music, you know, have a sort of common thread that runs through the seasons. But how do you make them different?
0: Well, um, it starts with what is what is the world he's creating to tell his story in. Um, the first season I worked on was season four, Freak Show, and you know it was a, it was a pretty specific world. It was in the '50s. It was a um, sort of a circus troupe of freaks <laughs> and. Um, it, it had some natural uh, tendencies towards types of music. There's like this weird, creepy circus music. Um, then there was this other side of it Ryan wanted. He called it 50s sci-fi strings. So it was something that he would, for him, evoke... Uh, ...science fiction films from the 50s, like this weird string, you know, orchestral strings... ...but like very weird and 50s sounding. So um, that was actually the piece that I wrote, that first piece, was to to try to find that, that side of the score. And um, and I guess I hit on something that he was that he that he liked. So then, Hotel Season Five, the next one, was uh, you know it was present day, but um, it all took place in this creepy old hotel in downtown Los Angeles that sort of had its own world inside of it. So it really wasn't. It didn't feel like present day, even though it was, because it was this uh, this crazy world inside this hotel. And so the idea there was to try to describe that. Um, it came up. Let let's let's go electronic. Let's have it be electronic and dark, and um, and it'll be a bit retro. Uh, they they had already picked some some of the songs they were liking. I mean, I think, I think like the episode. The first episode opened with a Joy Division song or something like mm-hmm. that, and so, um, so, so that's where where that started. Um, the next two seasons, Roanoke and Cult, uh, were a little bit more. Present day, uh, in what you might consider to be, you know, American, a normal American culture, uh, and so we went a little bit more like uh, a little more typical horror, horror uh, strings, orchestral strings, and piano, and um, and that seemed to help to describe those those worlds.
1: And one of my favorite shows that Ryan Murphy ever did was Feud, which is about the infamous hatred between Joan Crawford and Betty Davis when they made that movie, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Um, And when Ryan approached you to score that project, you said that you were at first nervous to do it. Why why were you nervous?
0: Um, I mean, it had been so long since I'd written 60s orchestral music like maybe in a former life. <laughs> like I'd never, I'd never done that. <laughs> and so um, it uh, it excited me because I love that that time period and that genre. There's so many amazing composers, Bernard Herrmann, Henry Mancini, uh, the composer of the film that uh, that those two actors made, um, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, Frank Duvall. I mean, there's just a lot of really interesting, amazing music. And um, I was excited to to get to play in that, in that world, but I hadn't done it. So I was, yeah, a little nervous slash terrified.
1: Did Ryan know that you were nervous, or were you like, "Oh yeah, I, I got
0: this"? I didn't. Yeah, I didn't tell him. So, <laughs> so let's don't don't tell him. If, 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 well, it worked listens. out because
1: you got two Emmy nominations for that, which I mean, well deserved.
0: I wonder if I wonder if uh, if he gets nervous about if, you. If, well, about about you know, it's like he'd never made a f- a show about the 1960s old Hollywood. So I wonder if he, I wonder if he thinks that.
1: Yeah. It really felt like a departure for him too. (laughs) I I mean, it was unlike anything else he'd done.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe he, he, you know, he's been doing it longer than me and he's made all these different shows. So maybe at this point he's just had, he's like, Oh, I could do. Sure. I could do whatever. He's like, whatever. Confidence.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you know, I, I really love that opening title sequence for the show, and that was actually the very first thing that you scored for the whole project, right?
0: That was it. That was the first piece.
1: And so, how did that? You mentioned that they they gave you photographs.
0: It was um, it was it was to be an animated main title. The visuals were, were going to be animation, and they had not animated it yet, but they had created uh, a bunch of still images that were going to be animated. So they they gave me those. And um, there, were, there were 120 of them, and I, I sort of made a slideshow uh, that would play these, like, each one every sort of half second, which would end up being a minute long. And, um, and I had that running as I was coming up with ideas, and there, there was nothing really to be timed to this because it was just the images not animated, but um, it, it helped, it it sort of helped me as I was as I was writing, and when I when I finally uh, came up with something that I was happy with, and uh, and sent it in, Ryan loved it. He loved it. He had one note, and this is the typical kind of Ryan like just these big grand notes. Is like I love it. Just the ending needs to be sad, and I had uh, I had done a big finish, this big ending, and um, I went back and and. St- took that out and, and rewrote the ending to be sad. And then essentially it was, essentially it was done at that point. Um, and then the animation company animated the visuals to the music.
1: Which doesn't always happen,
0: no, right? No, it doesn't. So it was, I'm usually writing music to, to video that already exists. So to have that go the other way was, was pretty nice.
1: So when you come up with a melody like that, do you write it down or do you just sort of fiddle at the keyboard? You know, how did, how does that come to
0: you? I'm, I'm not a pen and paper guy. Um, so yeah, I'm working with, uh, I'm working with my computer and I'm, I'm playing the keyboard. It's my main instrument. And so I will, uh, I will play, and noodle around, try to come up with ideas and, um, and often just sort of be recording everything that I'm doing, uh, because sometimes accidents happen or who knows what. And then I and it's it's been it's quite a few times where if I wasn't recording, I don't know what was that that I did and I can't remember. So um so yeah, I will just start with a little idea and then record it and listen and then come up with more ideas and develop it and and then it, it just turns into the final the final the final piece
1: Do you play any other instruments besides the piano?
0: Um I play guitar a little and bass and I play some like hand percussion like djembes and shakers and you know various types maracas of maracas <laughs> um I you know I can bang on things
1: And so growing up were you in like a band or anything or how did you get into music?
0: Well I, I was um, Music started for me um, in the church choir when I was six mm. and uh, I really knew I had been listening to music at that point um, that my parents had but um, I had not studied anything and and at, in this church choir the choir master like taught us how to how to read music because we had to we had to read We had to like look there was the hymnal that you would sing these hymns out of, we had to be able to look at it and read the notes and and be able to sing. And so that's where it started. Um, And then uh, piano lessons, high school band and orchestra as a percussionist. So I was playing drums and then rock bands as a keyboard player. And um, then I, then I moved to New York and got into the music business.
1: The show that I'm watching right now that, I really love and also at the same time really freaked out by because it's really scary is the assassination of Gianni Versace, which is another show that you're scoring. It's the second season of uh, American Crime Stories. The first one was the people versus O.J. Simpson. And I noticed that in this season, there's a lot more music than there was in the the season about O.J. Was that a conscious decision on your part?
0: You know, I think I think that it's um, the music is functioning in a different way in uh, in this in this season. The the first season, uh, the OJ story, there was this something about it where it didn't need uh, the, the music was was really um, pretty subtle, De- definitely definitely quite subtle and in the background. And and for whatever reason, it just didn't. The music didn't have to play that big of a role in that in that season. When we first started working on it, um, that that was the approach that the music would take this big role because it it usually does in Ryan shows, and it just it just wasn't working. So we so we dialed it way back. Um, There were just a handful of songs in that season. I, I mean, not that many, but there were some songs. But then we get to Versace, and it just felt right for the music to take a bigger role. Plus, there's been a lot of songs, so when you add up the songs and the score, you it, it's there's a lot of music in each in each episode. The
1: opening of this uh, the assassination of Gianni Versace this beautiful neo-baroque piece by Tommaso Albinoni Adagio in G minor. It's really, really gorgeous and uh, that opens up the whole um, series. Actually, I know you had mentioned that that was, you know, Ryan's camp, uh, their idea. But you changed it a little bit.
0: Well, yeah, they they um they suggested this piece of music. They had a recording of it. And they played it against this opening, which is this fantastic opening montage that starts the season. I mean, it's like eight minutes long, amazing, uh, yeah, intercut between the two main characters. And the piece... It's beautiful, amazing, this recording, fantastic, but it just didn't seem to have what I felt was the right um, the right energy to draw the viewer into the show. It's like, here we are, the opening of the show, and it's long, this eight-minute section. Like, I think the music needs to pull the viewer in. And so um, I thought, if if it just had a little more movement, and would still stay completely true to the composition and to the sound of it, it's an all it's a string ensemble, you know, orchestral string ensemble. So um, they said, yeah, let's let's hear what you have in mind. And so I, I did a version of it, and they thought they thought it was great. And then we were able to uh, we were able to record it with a you know thirty four piece string section.
1: Again, what were the um sort of buzzwords or parameters that Ryan Murphy set for for this show? What you know, what did he want from from you musically for this?
0: Well, um, you know, a lot of this story is about uh Versace's killer, Andrew Cunanan. And um he had, you know, Versace was I think the like the fifth person he'd killed, at that point. Yeah, he fourth or fifth. Yeah, um, and so the idea that this was uh, partially a story of a of a serial killer was was uh, was something that that we were all talking about. Um, the other thing was that uh, Versace was known to have a love of opera, and so. There was this idea of the Italian classical music, hence the adagio, for, for one thing, um, and uh, Ryan also is a big fan of Giorgio Moroder about of his of his scores, you know, that he did back in the in the '80s, and so with with these three ideas sort of swirling around. Um, I realized that maybe halfway through that that what I was doing was essentially Giorgio Moroder scoring Silence of the Lambs in an Italian villa, <laughs> and um, yeah, I feel like it 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 works for the show, and and it it's, you know certainly after after you're thinking about that description and you and you listen to it, you're like, oh yeah, that's that's pretty much what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs>
1: we ask you i don't know if anything's top secret right now but do you know what you're doing next
0: um well i'm working on uh the next ryan show pose which is a story takes place in 1986 new york um a uh sort of exploration of two separate cultures there the um L-G-B-T-Q-R-S uh, Q, <laughs> <R, laughs> um, community, underground community, and then this sort of upper-crust business um, Wall Street type that actually takes place uh, with someone that works in the Trump Corporation, oh. <laughs> which is perhaps a dig at, at that. Um and yeah, it looks it looks really interesting. I'm just getting started with it.
1: So, before we go, we have a little segment called finale tally. So, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Don't think about anything, just answer whatever comes to mind. Okay? Okay. All right. The first question. If you could play any instrument, which would you play?
0: Cello. I think so. It's beautiful, amazing, yeah. very versatile.
1: Very, very. Okay, next, what is your favorite soundtrack of all time?
0: Hmm, that one, that question. <laughs> that question should be banned from all interviews and podcasts. My favorite soundtrack. I know. Sound- the last time you said That's- you didn't
1: like it, and I'm asking you again.
0: <laughs> okay, I mean, there's so many, so it's hard to, you know, I could just sort of pick one at random that I really like. Um, let, let's just go with my, uh, my hero, Cliff Martinez, his soundtrack to Solaris. Let's oh. go. Let's go with that today.
1: Okay. And um, what did you listen to in your car on the way over here?
0: I was listening to KCRW. Morning becomes eclectic.
1: Oh, okay. Yes. Is there any music that you hate? Is there a genre you hate?
0: <laughs> um, you know, I'm really not fond of country music. I'm not gonna hate. Might be a strong. Might be too strong. But I'm, I, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not fond of country music.
1: You know, I had a feeling that that would be your answer. I don't know why, but that's what I thought. But it's yeah. okay. Don't be ashamed of that. Yeah, I
0: mean, no, I mean, there, there's obviously some good country music, but like as a whole, especially like modern country music, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not doing it for me.
1: <laughs> okay, well, well, that's it. Thank you so much, Mac, for being here. This was so great having you on again. My pleasure. Thanks for listening, you guys. For more information, you can visit our website at soundtrackstoriespodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and Google us.